National Security This Week, a weekly look at American national security issues. And now, your host, John Olson. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to National Security This Week. I'm your host, John Olson. Every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we'll get together here on KYMN Radio Northfield for around 30 minutes to discuss national security. Some weeks we'll cover broad issues, and other weeks we'll take a deep dive into areas around the world where you may not have heard much about but might find very interesting. We'll bring in guests from our local area, from around Minnesota, and from across the nation to help us explore challenges in national security. If there are topics you'd like us to cover, please email KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address the topic. Let's jump right in. Most of us probably know the U.S. military is divided into the service branches, the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, and even our newest service, the Space Force. Within the services are active duty and reserve components at the ready to protect American national security interests. The reserve components consists of the National Guard and Reserves for the Air Force, Army, Marines, and the Navy. Our show today will focus on the role the National Guard plays in America's defense. We're joined today by a former senior officer in the Minnesota National Guard who will help us to better understand how the Minnesota National Guard is organized, how personnel serve both Minnesota and the nation, and other details I guarantee you'll find interesting. Brigadier General Tim Kennedy spent 37 years in the U.S. Army. He enlisted in the National Guard in 1970. A decade later, he earned a direct commission in the Adjutant General Corps. During his career, as he promoted, he rotated through numerous leadership assignments in the National Guard. His career culminated in his being promoted to Brigadier General, an eventual assignment as Assistant Adjutant General for Army for the Minnesota National Guard Joint Force Headquarters, and finally as Assistant Adjutant General for Operations for the Minnesota National Guard. General Kennedy retired from the National Guard in March of 2007, but has maintained strong connections to the military service in his philanthropic work over the past 14 years. General Kennedy, like all Guard soldiers, also had a civilian career. In his case, he taught and coached in the Minneapolis Public Schools for seven years, spent 22 years with Honeywell, and then 15 years with Wensoft as Executive Vice President for Software Development before retiring from his civilian career. We're going to have a great deal to discuss today, so sit back and enjoy the show. Brigadier General Tim Kennedy, welcome to National Security This Week. Thank you, Commander Olson. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's get started. Uh, And let's start at the federal level so people sort of get an overview of what the National Guard is about. Could you explain how the National Guard fits into the overall Department of Defense command structure? Sure, John. The National Guard is in the same chain of command as the active component. The United States military has active and reserve components, as you mentioned in your introduction. For discussion today, I'm, you mentioned all the different services. I'm really going to focus on the Army and Air Force because they are the components that are relevant to the National Guard. So the Secretary of Defense is the civilian that has overall responsibility for the Department of Defense, and he has reporting to him Secretary of Army and the Secretary of the Air Force. They are also civilians. And then from the military side, we have a Chief of Staff of the Army and a Chief of Staff of the Air Force. The National Guard has an additional leader in the chain of command, the Chief of the National Guard Bureau. The Guard Bureau Chief is a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as are the Army and Air Chiefs, and the Guard Bureau Chief advises the Joint Chiefs on issues of the Guard and is a full participant on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Guard Bureau Chief has a director of the Air National Guard and the Army National Guard, and in fact, the current Army National Guard director is our former tag, Lieutenant General John Jensen. Uh, 
bottom line is the National Guard is in the main line of the overall Department of Defense structure. So let's let's drill down a little bit further. How, how does the Minnesota National Guard fit into the executive branch of the state government here in Minnesota? And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about how it fits into the broader National Guard at the federal level as well. Sure. Well, the Minnesota National Guard has been around for 165 years. Uh, we were the first state to offer troops to President Lincoln at the outset of the Civil War. The Minnesota Department of Military Affairs is also is, is the headquarters, and it's also known as the Minnesota National Guard. It's comprised of and includes the Army National Guard and the Air National Guard, which are the military forces for the state of Minnesota. The Department of Military Affairs is headed by the Adjutant General, and the Adjutant General reports directly to the Governor. The Department of Military Affairs includes the Office of the Adjutant General, all the military installations, military reservations, the armories, the air bases, facilities that are owned or controlled by the state for military purposes, and the civilians employed by the state for the administration of those military departments. The Constitution specifically charges the National Guard with a dual federal and state mission. They are separate but related. The National Guard serves as a reserve force for the United States Army and Air Force and is subject to call to federal active duty by the president. As a state entity, the National Guard provides support to local law enforcement agencies during national disasters and other emergencies at the direction of the governor. And it's the only United States military force empowered to function in a state status. And, and um, so it can go from, you know, uh, a flood fight to, as we saw, um, we had to uh, call out for state capital protection and, and the other un unrest that was happening. Uh, in 2020, Minnesota National Guards responded to both federal and state missions. We had units in the Middle East. We have a unit right now at Guantanamo Bay. And obviously the coronavirus uh, response we did uh, with uh, testing and, and uh, it'll happen with shots now. And as a side note, states have cooperative agreements, so that's why you might see the National Guard. In fact, you saw them deploy to Washington, D.C. for the inauguration. So the Minnesota National Guard itself, it's, it's, it's got kind of a unique organizational structure with both uh, uh, Army and Air Force uh, component parts of it. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how the national Minnesota National Guard is organized here and and uh, some of the units embedded within the Minnesota National Guard? Sure. The Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey, is the senior leader for both the Minnesota Army and Air National Guard, so he has overall responsibility. He's commit, considered the commanding general for the military forces here in the state. The office of the Adjutant General has both civilian and military personnel, and there are he has assistant adjutant generals for both the Army and the Air as part of the Joint Force uh, headquarters in St. Paul. Major military uh, organizations include, we have a, there are eight um, divisions in the National Guard, and Minnesota has one of them, the 34th Red Bull Infantry Division, which, ha which has a long storied history. They're the first division to land in Europe for World War II. We have a, the Camp Ripley Training Center, uh, another command is a, the 1st Brigade Combat Team. We have a uh, Combat Aviation Brigade, regional support groups, um, a, a troop command, and a regional training institute. And on the air side, we have the 133rd Airlift Wing here in, uh, in, in Minneapolis, and we have the 148th Fighter uh, Group out of um, uh, Duluth. 
in all there are 13,000 soldiers and airmen in the Minnesota National Guard. And I'm proud of the great reputation the organization, the organization has earned uh, over the past few years. We have training that we conduct throughout the state in training in community centers or armories at the air bases in Duluth and, and Minneapolis and at Camp Ripley. And I don't know if you know that Camp Ripley is, is a great resource because we have the State Patrol and we also depart, Department of Natural Resources, which is up there. And um, they use, the, there's a, actually a high-speed track or a track that the State Patrol can train on for driving. And, and if you didn't know, this, the snowplow drivers are trained at Camp Ripley pushing sand around. <laughs> So basically the mission of the National Guard is to provide trained and ready soldiers and airmen capable of fighting nation's war, protecting our country, and then responding to state emergencies. Uh, With our state mission, um, we also have a reach out of the United States because we have partnerships with Norway and Croatia. Norway, we've had a partnership since 1974 and has been continuous since then. And our relationship with Croatia grew out of uh, the initiative of NATO called Partnership for Peace. Mm -hmm. When the Soviet Union broke up, um, countries that were seeking to become part of NATO and the European Union had to meet certain requirements, one of which is related to their military. And they were basically paired up countries because they're about the size of states were paired up with with, uh, different uh, National Guards. So Croatia was assigned to us. And as part of that program, it started slowly with just some um, training, if you will, and explanation of how we can have a reserve component that isn't full-time and so doesn't cost you so much and can training has continued to to joint training actually joint deployment into iraq and and the good thing is in 2009 croatia actually became part of nato Mm -hmm. and one of the last things in the guard structure is there is a full-time force Um, they basically are full-time guard members responsible for organizing and, and training on the air side, they do a lot of the maintenance of the equipment of the aircraft to, to make sure they're uh, ready. So they're actually, uh, they call the active guard and reserve. Instead of at a, serving at a military base, they're serving in the communities at the uh, tra- Armory Training Community Center State Headquarters in Camp Ripley. Okay. So for our audience, you're listening to KYMN Radio AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting out of Northfield. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Tim Kennedy, and we're discussing the Minnesota National Guard. Uh, so, General, let's continue at the administrative level. How is the Minnesota National Guard funded? Two sources of funding. Uh, so we're part of the Defense Department budget. So when you talk, there's the National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, when, when that is being uh, negotiated and bandied about and, and argued Uh, Basically, it it funds both the active and reserve uh, components. So the National Guard is part of the reserve component budget. And uh, each state also provides funding for the National Guard so that each state National Guard has a state budget for state missions and a federal budget that covers training, pay, and maintaining equipment. Soldiers are primarily National Guard soldiers are primarily paid from a federal budget, except when they go on state active duty. Okay. So when the governor of our state, uh, in this case, Governor Walls, when he calls out the National Guard from a legal perspective, what does that mean exactly? What kind of missions are typically considered guard missions here in the state of Minnesota? Well, when uh, when the National Guard is not under federal control, the governors are the commanders in chief. So um, so basically, uh, 
in the United States, there's 54 commanders-in-chief because we have, in addition to the 50 states, Guam, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. Kind of unique in that D.C., the president is actually the commander of the District of Columbia National Guard, uh, although usually delegates that to the commanding general. Anyway, the governor can activate National Guard um, to, for natural or man-made disasters or homeland defense missions. Um, so the state active duty is based on a state statute. There's specific rules to follow and state funds. And they remain, in, when they're in stack, state active duty, they remain under the command and control of the governor. Under state law, the National Guard provides protection for life, property, and preserves peace, order, and public safety. And uh, the mission is accomplished through emergency relief support and in things like floods and forest fires is, is what we see typically here in, in Minnesota. It could be search and rescue and any support to civilian authorities and actually the counter-drug programs. While on state active duty, federal facilities and equipment can be used, but the pay has to come from the state. Anyway, any that so on state active duty, you basically the chain of command is within the state. One of the key things from a legal perspective, you kind of mentioned this, is there's something called the Posse Comitatus Act. Mm-hmm. And it's an act that prohibits the federal government from using the United States Armed Forces as an armed force to enforce the law. And the the law these laws do not apply to the Coast Guard and the National and the National Guard. That means the governor can use the guard as a law enforcement capacity. Uh, this can't be done with active duty or other reserve personnel. But and and some examples in you know so the guard can be called out, can enforce roadblocks, they can conduct uh, searches, surveillance, and make arrests on behalf of civilian law enforcement uh, authorities. And otherwise, we have laws that prohibit direct military involvement in law enforcement, except for the National Guard. So th- that's the unique thing about the Guard. You, know, you can't call the Army Reserves or the full-time. Uh, we, it, it actually has happened. We did it in, uh, it happened uh, in Katrina. Actually, the first to do it was President Lincoln at the Civil War. We actually mm-hmm. called visit the troops out. Eisenhower and Kennedy actually used it in the uh, civil rights issues in the 50s and in the 60s, and George W. Bush actually during the Los Angeles riots, but primarily it's the National Guard. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the difference there, so uh, when the governor calls it out, that's a, he can use the Guard in a law enforcement role, but when the president federalizes the National Guard, uh, that's where posse comitatus applies? Yeah, that's correct. So when the National Guard is called into federal service, um, the president is the commander-in-chief, and um, so the object of the Guard is to ensure that, that we're continually or we're properly trained and equipped for mobilization. So when that happens, we actually fall under the combat, combat commanders in theater that they're operating in. And so we're actually, we're basically the, armed, the active force. We're, we're called to active duty. Okay. So for our audience, you're listening to KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting out of Northfield. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Tim Kennedy, and we're discussing the Minnesota National Guard. Uh, So, General, the past two decades, we've seen almost continuous military operations around the world. Uh, How has the Minnesota National Guard served American national security interests during that time, specifically abroad, I think? 
Well, I think the the thing that's changed dramatically in the past two decades is because of the unprecedented use of the reserve components. Um, It it started with stability operations in Bosnia and Kosovo, and then obviously went uh, to the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And and prior to basically the last uh, two decades, the, the Guard was considered strategic reserve, and you might see a call up, you know, once in a generation. Now the Guard has changed to be part of the operational reserve, and the expectation there is about every six years you should expect to be called to active duty. And, and that's, a, that's a dramatic change. Um, since 9-11-2001, we've had members of the Minnesota National Guard deployed continuously uh, overseas. And here's why that is. The Army strength is just over a million uh, people, and the Army Reserve has a strength of 200,000 soldiers and makes up 20% of the Army's operational force. The National Guard has a strength of 340,000 soldiers and makes up 39% of the Army's operational force. So in order for the Army and Air Force uh, to execute all of their assigned missions, they have to utilize all of their personnel, and and it's just uh, out of need that that's happening. Clarify for me, if you would. I'm not sure I to- completely understand this, but uh, the way the army is broken down, you have uh, you have the combat element. You con- have combat support and combat service support. Is that right? Are those sort of the three main components of the army? That's correct. So I, as I'm under the impression that after after Vietnam, the chief of staff of the army, secretary of the army, said, you know, we need to put all three of those component elements of the army across both the active force and the reserve including embedding some of that in the National Guard, so that if we do get called to war again, everybody in America participates, not just the folks on active duty. Is that is that kind of how that happened? That's correct. I mean, it, actually, the the uh, a lot of the Army Reserve is combat support. The Guard has all – obviously, we have divisions. Uh, we have eight divisions. That Those are combat fight fighting uh, forces and aviation support and all that kind of stuff. So we have combat, combat service support, and uh, combat support in the National Guard. The reserves are primarily combat support. Okay. So recent events here in America, and you talked about this just a little bit, uh, required the Guard to be deployed to Washington, D.C., and even here in in St. Paul at our capital. Uh, Do you have any concerns uh, as a a retired senior officer, about the impact those deployments and those missions have had on our fellow Minnesotans who serve in the Guard here in Minnesota? Yeah, sure. There's there's concern from several perspectives. One is, you know, as you noted in the beginning, uh, most of the members of the National Guard have full-time jobs, and frequent and unexpected deployments make it more difficult to retain a job and have security and upward mobility. So the concern is, um, will will our service members have good jobs or uh, I, I think the great thing that we've seen is most employers are very understanding and supportive, but even unexpected call-ups make it make it tough for them. Mm-hmm. Frequent deployments also put stress on family lives, and and one of the concerns is if there's too much stress from work and family, we end up losing very well-qualified and trained individuals because they just go, I don't want to do this anymore, and, and uh, leave the guard. So it's important to have strong communities. The Beyond the Yellow Ribbon organizations have been great. We have the Support Our Troops license plate funding actually helps provide funds for grants to currently serving military members if they have financial needs. All of this is just trying to make it uh, better for families. 
And the number one request for military members really is, please take care of my family. Then the Guard is trying to do that, working through soldier and family readiness centers. We actually have 10 uh, throughout the state to help make that happen. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon campaign. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? I, I, I know a little bit about that program. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic, but I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon really started uh, with a, a previous adjutant general, uh, um, Major General Larry Shelotow, and, and he had been a Vietnam vet and, and thought about the way soldiers came back and, and weren't really welcomed into the community. So he really got that started. So part of it is, there are yellow ribbon companies that that really uh, try to be really good employers uh, for the military, but uh, the yellow ribbon communities have organizations that will step up and and help a family. Uh, you know, somebody. Uh, uh, we had an example of uh, uh, recently uh, the Hugo Yellow Ribbon does a great job, and they uh, help uh, a family move just because the these individual was injured and, and couldn't make it. So they called out and volunteers stepped forward. Uh, we have them come up and, you know, somebody built a, a uh, handicap ramp uh, to help someone uh, that was injured, et cetera, like that. So it's really trying to reach out and, and it's, it's uh, very active in some places. And, and um, so if you see it, the whole idea is trying to reach out and help military members. The, the big thing is, we don't have military bases. Uh, we have air bases, but you know, when you think about you, you know, you were deployed at, at big bases. All the resources are in one place. Mm-hmm. Here they're spread out because the the guard come from most communities throughout the state. Sure. So we we just have a, a few minutes left. A couple more questions for you, if you, if you're willing. Uh, are there any additional points you personally would like to make regarding the role of the Minnesota National Guard or or the National Guard as a whole? Well, first of all, we always like to say uh, we were founded in on December 13, 1636. Uh, so the genesis of the Guard was the local militia, and, and really that's, you know, from the community. You know, put down your plowshare and pick up your musket, um, stepping up to provide assistance. Um, so we're in most communities throughout the state of Minnesota, and I was proud to wear the uniform for many years and continued it. And I'm, now that I'm retired, trying to give back. But I have to tell you, the real heroes in all of this are the military families. You know, as a service member, you get deployed, you do, you go about your mission, and, and that's all you think about. But when you leave, your family is there basically to fend for themselves, except when you get communities or family or whatever to help. And as I mentioned, the centralized um, resources on a base, not only that, there's many people going through the same thing. And, and in the National Guard, you could have you could be the only family in a town that has somebody deployed and kids that are going through the fact that their parents are gone, you know, in a, in a war situation, if you will, it, it, it it's, uh, that's why we have the beyond the yellow ribbon trying to make sure they don't go through it alone, but it can be lonely. And I, I'll tell you what, I know I couldn't have served without the support of my family. So thank a military family. I think that's key. Yeah. So if someone wanted to join the Minnesota National Guard, what, what eligibility requirements uh, do they have to demonstrate, and, and who should they contact for more information? Is it just the local recruiter? or? Yeah, local recruiter. The quick answer is the National Guard recruiter, you can call an 800 number, 800-GO-GUARD, uh, which is 800-464-8273. Um, but the requirements are between the ages of 17 and 35, unless you have a specialized skill like lawyer uh, and certain medical professionals. You have to be a U.S. citizen or a legal permanent resident. 
and currently a junior in high school or have a high school diploma or a GED certificate and moral requirements, uh, criminal records, stuff like that, uh, have to be in generally good health. You have to pass a physical and drug screening test. And if you're under 18, you have to have um, individual or a, a parent or guardian sign for you. And uh, many sign up at high school and, and uh, because many have served in the guard uh, as a way to pay for their high school education. And two things happen. One is, I first of all, I think uh, service above self, just serving is, is, is a great thing. And, John, you know, heck, you, you signed up when you were 18 and went to the academy, Naval Academy. Um, but uh, to get a college education and uh, be able to serve is, I think, a great thing. So for those people who do join up, say a little bit older, maybe 25 to 30, somewhere in there, they've they've got some life experience, maybe some technical skills. When they If they join the National Guard, it's not necessarily to go do what they do in their civilian career, right? They're going to go do something else maybe? Yeah. I mean, we have a friend of mine, retired now, um, became Brigadier General also, is, was, is a lawyer, but he chose armor. He wanted to be a tanker. So he wanted to do something different than what he was doing in the civilian life. You can do the same thing. It could be related, uh, like a medical profession, uh, or we have JAGs, you know, lawyers. But some want to do something different and, and just do that experience. All right. Well, we've reached the end of our uh, of our time today. Uh, Brigadier General Tim Kennedy, thank you so much, sir, for being our guest on National Security this week. You're welcome, John. It was great to be here, and and, and good luck with your uh, talk show. All right. Thank you, sir. Folks, we'll be back next Wednesday at 9 a.m. with another edition of National Security This Week right here on KYMN Radio in Northfield on AM 1080 and 95.1 FM. I'm your host, John Olson. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to sharing time with you again next Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. In the meantime, if you have ideas for topics you'd like us to cover, Please contact KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address your topic. Have a fantastic Wednesday and a great finish to your week, and dress warm this weekend. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to National Security This Week. Okay. Tim, can you hear me? Can you hear me? On a regular, on a regular system? system? Yeah. How'd that go for you? That went fine. I hope it came for No, I. From 1 to 3 each Monday through Friday. Cost is $5 a visit or $65 for a six-month pass. With questions, please call Kevin at 651-767-2139 or check out.